You're listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We're a house that will empower you in your walk with Christ to get free, live free, and set others free. This is our Sunday service series. For more information, go to FHUS.org. Enjoy. Peace that I leave you. You know, this was the commission of Jesus that when he sent his disciples out on mission, that they would leave their peace. Peace is something that is not just a, 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 a psychological state of mind. It's actually a spiritual state. And oftentimes what happens is we think in terms of it just being a product of our soul. No, it's not a product of our soul. It actually affects our soul, but its, its origin is actually deeper. It's actually something that's spiritual. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so therefore, when you know Jesus, you know peace. So it's a spiritual virtue that is actually released in your life, and we can tap into it. And oftentimes we let the external situations, the trouble that's in the world, to have its entrance into our heart and cause troubles there. And so not only do we have to know that he is the Prince of Peace and kind of psych ourselves up sometimes in a church service, but that you have access in the troubled world, not just in the church. Oh, some of you will get that by next week. Oftentimes, people, they want to live inside the church, but how many know we're called into all the world? How many know there's trouble in the world? And so oftentimes what happens, we get saved, we want to be called into all the church, but God didn't call us into all the church. He called us into all the world. And oftentimes we come there and we want that to make our home. And certainly it is to be a home and it is to be a sanctuary, but it's to bring a provision to us so that we actually have something to carry out into the world and to release that peace into a troubled world. And everyone says, but if you're always in the house of God and you're never uh, uh, being in the place of where God has planted you at work or at school or wherever God has placed you, how are you going to be able to speak those words uh, of peace to people in a troubled world, and everyone says. So we want to pick up in the book of John, chapter 14. This is kind of our scripture in which we're going to discourse from, and it makes this statement. It says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. So notice he is the one who is stating that he is leaving something. Uh, I want to uh, state that it is something that is actually tangible, It is a a presence that comes from heaven, and it is something that you can access, and specifically in a troubled world. It's easy to access and be in a place of tranquility when everything around you is at ease. We're living in a culture in which it is being overrun with anxiety. People are tormented. In no uncertain terms, it is actually a spiritual condition with a spiritual enemy that wants to bring destruction. You do not have to tolerate anxiety. It would not be an exaggeration in my ministry throughout the nations of the world to those who had by the hundreds, I would say, and that is not an exaggeration over the last 25, 20 years in ministry that I've seen people that were set free from anxiety. You see, even the chemical imbalances within the mind, though we may not always 100% be healed from chemical imbalance, make no mistake about it, that when in the origin it is demonic, it is actually deeper than just a chemical imbalance of the brain, and that when the power of the enemy is broken, it's amazing how the Bible, uh, how the brain will restore itself unto normal, wholesome activity, and everyone says. So I want to encourage you. Because the more trouble, you notice that there's an uptick in anxiety. That tells me it is abnormal. It tells me that it absolutely is demonic. 
And with the fruit of people being set free, you too, as well as those who are joining me online, can be set free from the power of anxiety. And everyone says. So it says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Interesting statement. Why? Because the world can't give it. Because the world don't got it. This is why they seek peace in externals. This is why they're trying to seek safe spaces by which don't intrude upon my peace. They're trying to seek peace through external apparatuses. But the only place that peace is found is in the presence of God. The only place in which you can find peace is in Christ Jesus, who is indeed the Prince of Peace, that everyone says. Now it says this, do not let your hearts say your hearts. Now I'm going to go into a little bit of a counseling mode right here to kind of help you out. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. That means it is incumbent upon us, or we can at least come into an understanding that we have to walk circumspect as well as bring an evaluation of what is the state of our heart. Notice this, do not let your hearts be troubled. So if Jesus gives the command, that means he's given us the power to deal with a troubled heart. We can't just look to heaven and say, oh God, why do I got a troubled heart? Take this troubled heart away from me. No. It's incumbent upon us to know what the scripture says so that we can identify with the truth that he indeed is is the Prince of Peace. So if he says, do not let your hearts be troubled, that means you have the power to control whether trouble comes upon your heart. And to believe him who is the Prince of Peace that you can access that peace during times of trouble. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Watch this. And do not be afraid. Whenever a heart is troubled, it will eventually yield to a spirit of fear or fear that comes upon the mind. In other words, a troubled heart is an access point by which the enemy will bring fear and torment upon your life. So this is why I say you must understand that this is something of a spiritual origin, not just a solical order uh, origin. This is why we see the Apostle Paul even admonishing in ministry, young Timothy. He says, we have not given a spirit of fear. Say a spirit of fear. But a spirit of love, power, and a soundness of what? Not confusion of mind. Not a mind that is full of anxiety. So he's therefore uh, declaring that when you have the spirit of fear, the spirit of fear will want to rob you of a soundness of mind. And what does usually the spirit of fear want you to do? It wants you to come into condemnation. It wants you to come under that uh, uh, spirit of control. It wants you to come under anxiety. It wants you to come under confusion so that you don't know who you are in Christ. That's an assault that comes to your troubled heart. And it's a manifestation of the spirit of fear that wants to assault you, to displace you from that power that you have access to. And everyone says... So I want to give you, there are two things that rob a person of peace, and it's trouble and it's fear. And it's interesting because this word trouble also in the New Testament speaks of, it says three, four, five, there we go, trouble, uh, disturbed, and also terrified. We're not going to deal with startled or stirred, 
uh, but also throwing into confusion. In other words, in the New Testament, where, where you see troubled heart, where Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. In other words, in the New Testament, there are other words for troubled, meaning disturbed, terrified, and thrown into confusion. So we want to look at the scriptures with regards to these words that are being used within the New Testament so that we can shore up the peace of Christ within our life. Troubles number one. Troubles in the heart can create doubt in the mind. This is something that we already touched upon. That when you have a troubled heart, you now become compromised in your mind but where all of a sudden now there is doubt within the mind. This is why I always say that when you hear the word of the Lord, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus as to what? Trust. trust and obey. At the longer that we prolong our obedience from the word that we received while we were in his presence where there is peace. What ends up happening when you leave that peace, now the enemy wants to come and bring a torment or bring a troubling to your heart. And the more that there's a troubling to your heart, you say, why does he want to do that? Because he knows your place of victory is found in your obedience to his commands. Did you hear what I said? This is why the longer that you postpone, the longer that it ends up becoming that you will begin to out of a troubled heart you will begin to now be, uh, uh, have doubts of mind. Did I really hear from God? Was that really him? Trust and obey at the place in which he speaks. We know that when Abraham was told to go up to a mountain, it says the next day he went up with his son. Now, I don't know about you. If I was commanded to uh, uh, offer up my son, I don't think I'd be doing it like tomorrow. I'd be like, I'd get an advisory board. I would like consult with all my family, with all my friends, with the board and say, I heard from God, but I'm not sure. And take about a year and a half to come to that conclusion. <laughs> come on, how many hear what I'm saying? But Abraham, when he heard from God, when he came out of the presence after offering Sarah, says, I need to do this thing right now. I know that I heard from God. And oftentimes what we do is we come up from the presence, from giving sacrifices where the presence of God, where the peace of God was there. He speaks to us and then we leave it and then we begin to have trouble because of the assault, because we postpone our uh, 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 obedience to the Lord. And so now we begin to contemplate out of a troubled heart rather than out of a peaceful heart. Are you here? Mm -hmm. I'm counseling. I'm pastoring you today. For some of you, you knew God told you to do something. You're like, I don't know. And some of you postponed obedience because you knew there was trouble on the way. And we're going to talk about that. Because perfect peace isn't that he takes away external troubles, but he gives you peace while you're walking through trouble. Mm -hmm. I'm pastoring today. In the book of Luke chapter 24, Verse 37 and 39, it says, they were startled and frightened. Notice, fear came upon them, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, that's Jesus, why are you what? Troubled. Troubled. And why do doubts rise in your mind? Again, we have affirmed this principle that when fear comes upon you, trouble will come to your heart. Trouble 
is a terrible taskmaster that will send you into a state of confusion and send you into a state spinning in anxiety. So notice this. They were startled and frightened. In other words, it became an open door to what trouble that came upon them. And Jesus is the one who says, why are you doing that? Which means he's empowering them, say, you can determine what troubles you. Don't you know it's me that's coming walking on the water? Why would you think it's a ghost? It's me. And may I add this? He's stating, even if it was a ghost, why are you scared of a ghost? Even if it's a spirit, why are you afraid of a spirit? I've given you authority over these things. Why are you frightened? This shows they did not have security in standing who they were in Jesus. And were allowing external conditions to determine their internal tranquility. And be mindful of this. It was inaccurate external information. It wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus. I think sometimes when we see Jesus walking on waters, we go, oh, and we get scared when we should actually be at peace. Some people are so conditioned by external turmoil that when peace arrives, they get spooked by peace because they've always lived in a culture of confusion and trouble. So when they get, I can't believe God has this for me. I, no, this can't be God. Because I've always lived in trouble, trouble here, trouble there, trouble in the family, trouble in the relationships, trouble at work, trouble, trouble, trouble. I can't believe that Jesus would have peace for me and that I could navigate life allowing peace to rule and empire my heart and call the shots. You always want peace to direct and call the shots within your life. You certainly don't want a troubled heart to be the determination of the course that you set within your life. Says they were startled and fright, frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Then notice, he begins to confirm empirically. Look at my hands and my feet. It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as, as you see here. So notice, they should have already known. He walks through the door, shows himself to them. Ah! And they freak out. But how many know Jesus was already saying and already told them plainly as well as to all of Israel that he was going to go to the cross, that he was going to rise again. And they simply did not believe the scriptures. And so therefore, because of them not believing the scriptures, their heart being hardened, a hardened heart will open you up to a troubled heart. Oh, pastor, why am I going through all these things, all these troubles? I don't know. Do you believe the scripture? Have you hardened yourself to the scripture? Do you not place the authority of the word of God as supremacy within your life? Are you walking a faithless life, not walking circumspect to determine, okay, am I living a troubled life right now? Where are you, Jesus, in all this? And what is my response? What do I need to do to ensure that the decisions that I made are based not out of a troubled spirit, but out of a peaceful spirit? And everyone says. Here's a secret that sometimes this happens after Jesus already speaks peace to us. In fact, 
in Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Now watch this. This is one verse. Go back to the previous verse. Here's Luke chapter 24, verse 37, 39, right? They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your mind? Verse 39, look at my hands and feet. No, 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 no. (laughs) You're getting ahead of me, brother. It is I myself touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and blood as you see I have. Now, what's powerful about this is what is Jesus said right before this verse in verse 36? Now you can show it, guys. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood amongst them and said to them, peace be with you. So notice Jesus actually goes to release his supernatural peace and then all of a sudden they freak out. It's proof that sometimes us Christians were a little bit dum-dum and a little bit num-num in the skull. He comes and clearly releases. He says, I give you my peace. He gives peace and they go, ah! Because they do not believe. They have a hardened heart which brings troubled heart. See, it's one thing for Jesus not say, peace be with you and us be frightened and scared. It becomes a whole nother thing when he says peace and we go, ah! (laughs) It shows you that our hearts become hardened and become troubled to where we can't even access the peace that he's freely speaking to us. And everyone says, "Mm, oh, hallelujah for his peace. During troubled times. I don't know about you, but if I'm in a place by which there's turmoil around me and he comes to speak peace, I'm going to go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that peace that comes upon us in Jesus' name. Number two, the word for trouble is also disturbance throwing into confusion. These are the words that we want to look at. Number one, number two, never make decisions out of disturbance. Never make decisions out of disturbance. Disturbance is a terrible counselor. I'm going to say that again because only about 10% of you got it. Some of you have lived such troubled lives and disturbance that you lived in a culture by which all your decisions are based out of disturbance and you don't even know how to make decisions out of peace. And so therefore you look at other people that are at peace and you're envious of that peace and you're jealous of that peace and that jealousy comes out of your troubled heart. Instead of seeking and say, okay, And recognizing I've grown up in a culture, maybe I grew up that way, in which the household was always troubled. And so therefore, I've learned how to cope and how to just deal and what I would call manage my problem of my troubled heart. We're not called to manage and cope a troubled heart. Okay, that's what the the psychologist will tell you to do. Okay, for those who may be psychologists, yeah, I think there are some good things I take in psychology, but the fact of the matter is that so many people that have troubled hearts, they're trying to deal with it on a psychological problem rather than as a spiritual problem. And it's insufficient. It's uh, insufficient information and it's insufficient power. 
That's why at one point I believe they had one of the highest suicide rates. Why? Because they're dealing with demon problems on a psychological level. And it's impossible to do that. There's been too many people by the hundreds and by the hundreds that have been set free by mental illness. Not that all mental illness that we don't seek within the areas of the medical, but they'll confirm the reality and the truth of when people have been set free. And everyone says. So again, never make decisions out of disturbance. In the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, When King Herod heard this, when he heard this, notice it says he was what? Disturbed. It's that same word as troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. So I want you to notice that Herod, when he had heard that there was a king of the Jews that was being born, he himself was actually disturbed within his spirit. Okay? And out of that disturbance, listen to me very carefully, he went to destroy. A disturbed heart in its full manifestation will seek to bring destruction. This is why it destroys people's relationships because they make decisions out of their disturbance. It breaks all kinds of relationships, family, friends, at work. They don't know how to bring peace, but they're always causing disturbance. Disturbance in its full manifestation will bring a destruction. And for those of you who are here, of course, through this weekend with the ladies as well as the guys that were helping and assisting, we know that destruction, what is the consequence of destruction? Ashes. Okay? So just think about this. Your troubled heart... Praise God, you've been set free. But it's not only the enemy that brings ashes. We can bring ashes by proxy of our troubled heart that brings destruction. This is why we have to checkmate the enemy and ensure that the trouble that comes externally as well spiritually against us, that we ensure that we have peace with God because we certainly don't want the produce that comes from a troubled heart to be destruction around our life. Are you getting something out of this? So you can't only, oh God, why is there all this destruction that's going on in my life? Well, it's because of all the decisions that you've made out of that troubled state. And then you wonder why you have no peace. Because you've created it because you've never made a personal assessment of challenging a troubled heart and all the decisions that you make out of it. Okay? And it's not going to help for you to just run and seek a natural safe space. Hello? Not gonna, it's not, that's not how it comes. That's not how peace is going to come. You isolating yourself away from people in groupthink is insufficient. We are called to a world that is troubled and we carry the peace of God. Each of us that have here have a testimony of what God has done in our life that has set us free. And I'm not just talking about, oh, Jesus come into my heart and he made me feel good. Some of you have had dramatic, powerful encounters with the Lord and were set free physically, in which even the medical society has proven, yes, this is a miracle. We had no way of being able to deal with this particular issue, all the way to those who have sexual identity problems, orientation issues, all kinds of troubles that were upon you, and Jesus has set you free, and you can testify that's due to the power of Christ. 
We have heard that some went out, uh, excuse me, when, uh, 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 when King Herod had heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Again, Herod out of his disturbance brought a destruction. Now in the book of Acts chapter 15, Acts chapter 15 verse 24 says, we have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and did what? Disturbed you. That word for troubled is the same word of disturbed. Notice this, troubling your minds, but why what they said. Now, what is the context here in the book of Acts chapter 15? It was the circumcised group that were disturbing them by demanding that they must be circumcised. In other words, they were not placing their faith in Christ in Christ alone. So what is this? This is religious people or the religious spirit that will come through people in order to disturb you. Religious spirits love to rob you of your security that comes from Christ in Christ alone. A religious spirit is a driving spirit that ultimately simply wants to control you. It's a spirit by which it brings condemnation upon your life, by which it troubles your soul, so that you try to vindicate yourself through a religious system rather than through simple faith in Christ and Christ alone. So there were some Judaizers that came in and said, no, 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 no. It's insufficient. You must be circumcised. You must do this. You must do that. And began to give legalism and begin to enslave them through legalism. Legalism will bring trouble upon your heart and upon your soul. Some of you who come from dysfunctional church backgrounds in which you are set free by the power of God, you've had so-called Christians who are nothing but religious spirits that uh, introduce legalism upon you to try to ensnare you back into a yoke of bondage. That's why I always got to counsel people like this. No, that's not what you received in Christ. No, it was the power of God that set you free. Live free in what Christ has received. Don't listen to these people who are just trying to sit there and gather unto them. They're agitators within the body of Christ. In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul calls them, agitators. They just want to cause disturbance in local bodies. And in this particular community, you got to watch out for these people. Okay, they assume they come into local bodies and and local churches and local church authorities and claim to speak on behalf of the body of Christ. Stay away from these people. They're agitators. None of you who are here, and especially the authorities within this church, I would never send into another church to declare, I'm the one who speaks on behalf of the body of Christ, and you should submit to my agenda. People like that trample upon the local churches and the local pastors that are here in this community that are building churches of God that are not churches of men. And everyone says, are you getting something out of this? Lots of agitators in this community that hate the power of God being demonstrated. They hate the fact that people are getting set free. They hate the fact that devils by the multitudes are coming out of people. And they become agitators. And they become people who want to bind you up back in a yoke of bondage. And everyone says, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul states in chapter 2, verse 29, No, a person is a Jew 
who is one inwardly, and circumcision, this apparatus of legalism, is circumcision of what? The heart. A circumcision of what? The heart. Circumcision of what? The heart. By the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the third person of the Trinity. It's not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Oftentimes in the church, we're seeking praise from men, and in so doing, we cut ourselves from the praise that comes from God himself. And when God gives praise to you, he brings peace to your life. If you seek to secure your praise from men, you'll always live a troubled life. Never seek just to appease man at the cost of appeasing God. Again, principle, religious spirits will seek to control you. Beware of religious spirits. Number three, terrified. In Matthew, that's the third one, this word terrified. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 26 and 27, when the disciples saw him, watch this, walking on the lake. Now remember, at the resurrection, what did he do? He walked through the doors. He said, peace. And they went, ah. And watch this. This is another one in which they're terrified. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were what? They, watch this. Are you ready for this? They saw a miracle. Clearly, it was Jesus. And they go, ah. Ah. They're freaking out. They're freaking out by the supernatural. And you know, that's what people who are immature do when they see the supernatural but claim to be followers of Jesus. Ah. Ah. Devil coming out of people. Ah. Ah, people got you. Ah. Come out! Ah. <laughs> Sounds the type of church I was in there. Ah. Disciples of Jesus. He comes walking on the water. We're a people of the Spirit. Ah. I'd be like, whoa, dude! Can I come out? I mean, ask yourself, you're walking with Jesus. You know what he looks like. So when they saw him, they're terrified. It's a ghost, they said. So they see Jesus and they go, it can't be him. He can't be a person who's operating that level of supernatural. It's got to be a ghost. Ah. So they deem something, if you will, demonic that was actually jesus that's a religious spirit for you by the way so the church is walking out on the water doing the works of jesus and people go i don't know about that Mm. watch this it's a ghost they said and they cried out in what fear out of a troubled terrified heart they cry out because they gave access to fear and now fear becomes their voice rather than faith and says oh hallelujah can i come out too Ah! (laughs) 
But Jesus immediately, say immediately. immediately. Notice he saw the entrance of fear through a troubled, terrified heart. And what does he do? Immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. So notice he commissions to them to take charge of their soul and to not be afraid. And say, oh God, can you take this fear from me? No, you take charge over it. You take charge over your soul. This is why the psalmist Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Because there are times in a troubled world that we come under that rather than rising above the troubles. And as the Christian, we've been given authority to bust through the barriers of a troubled world, to access a peace that comes from heaven. Not to go, oh, why is the trouble happening to me? And all of a sudden go from being a Christian to now being a, a Christian philosopher. Why is this happening to me, Jesus? Why is this happening? And yet the whole time you're under it. Why is this happening? Why do I see a ghost out there? How come I'm terrified by this person walking on the water? Oh, why is this happening to me? And Christians in the Western world become philosophers. They shouldn't call themselves Christians. They should call themselves philosophers. Because they're not believers in Jesus. Come on, are you here? I love you. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage In other words, don't be afraid. He didn't say, let's have a prayer line right now. Let me pray for you to get rid of the spirit of fear. Now, it's good in the very beginning to do that because you don't know how to take charge of your own soul. But when you meet the conditions, we'll pray for you. We'll get you free. But at some point, you need to start walking yourself. And you need to start taking charge over your own soul and rising up out of your spirit and rising up out of prayer to break the powers of troubles that may come against you. And everyone says... When your heart is troubled, terrified, terrifying fear will make expression through you, as I stated. Again, showing that when a heart is troubled, it is susceptible to the spirit of fear. Next one. Was Jesus troubled? And how did he deal with a troubled spirit? How many would like to know that? I certainly would. Because listen, we're going to go through troubles, but how you handle troubles is determined upon you. In John chapter 13, verse 21, John chapter 13, verse 21, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. Notice where the origin, he was troubled where? In his spirit, in his pneuma. It doesn't just say he was troubled in his mind. Mind is the consequence or its manifestation in your spirit or in your heart produces fruit within the mind. So you have to deal with it in the spirit before you deal with it in the mind. And when you deal with it in the heart, it will reflect in the mind. So after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. So he already knew in his spirit, one that was in his ministry staff was going to betray him. Now, notice when that happened, isn't it interesting the way Jesus actually handled him? He didn't crucify him. He didn't stone him. He didn't even actually kind of expose him. What did he do? He prayed through these things. And he didn't try to control the narrative of betrayal, even though he knew it was going to come. Did you just hear what I said? 
If we had secret intel from the Father through a strong prayer life, He might give you some intel, but with that intel, what would you do with it? Would you become troubled with the intel that He gives you and be able to pray through and still do the right thing even though you have information that comes from God that someone is going to betray you? May I suggest, some of times the Holy Ghost doesn't want to talk to us because if he gave us secret information, what would happen is we would misuse that information. We would become troubled by the information and then we would make decisions that were in concert with a troubled heart rather than out of peace. And of course, we all know that this was appointed according to the scripture that he would do this. So Jesus was careless. And I mean that in a good way. He was careless. He had no concern. He didn't care what people thought. He was just going to continue to do the will of God carefree and not be troubled or trouble-free, I should say, or terrified free. And everyone says, in John chapter 12, verse 27, here's Jesus being troubled. It says, now my soul, say my soul. This Jesus speaking, is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. In other words, there's trouble in my soul. He's not praying, Lord, cause me to escape the trouble that I'm about to go through. Notice he already knows he's going to go through trouble. The problem with weak Christians is they don't know how to receive not just intelligence that comes from God, but once you receive that, what are you going to do with it? So when Jesus is shown that there is going to be trouble, he doesn't say, Father, save me from this trouble, because he knows the trouble is something he's supposed to go through. So at this point right here, Jesus could go, oh, Father. Why is all this stuff happened to me? And become a philosopher. Oh, why? Why me? Why are they doing this? I've been healing so many people by the thousands, the crowds of up to 20 and 30,000. Everybody should love me in my ministry. And now they want to crucify me, flog me, and do all these things. <laughs> Did he have a pity party? Some people think prayer is having a pity party. A pity party is something your soul does. Prayer is something your spirit does. Mm, that was Holy Ghost right there. I've been praying. No, you just had a pity party. It's Western prayer. Pity parties. My soul's having a pity party. It's all right to have a pity party for, you know, a little bit, but not for the next six months. And then sit there and say, I've been praying about it. Some Christians are like that. I've been praying. No, you've been having a pity party. And you haven't taken charge over your troubled soul. That's your problem. Can you pray for me, pastor? No, stop it. And then you just spew your troubled soul on upon everybody else and give them trouble. Out of the pretext, I've been praying. No, you've been having a pity party. You've been complaining like the children in the wilderness. Mm, I felt that one. Some of you got it. You're like, oh. Pastor was talking to me. Oh, I take that one. You know it was the sword, but it's the sword that when it's withdrawn, healing comes. That's right. Right? 
<laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Do you pray when you're troubled? I'd suggest that we often cope in our trouble. Sometimes we just try to manage our trouble rather than pray through our trouble. Praying through gets us a breakthrough in the trouble. One of the very first commentaries when I was saved that I read through with my Bible was Matthew Henry, and he made this statement. The peace of God, do you have it up there, guys? The peace of God will keep us from sinning under our troubles and from sinking under them. The peace of God will keep us from sinning, sinning with our mouth, sinning with our action, sinning before God in disobedience. It will keep us from sinning from under our what? Troubles. You can be sure that if you tolerate trouble, you invite sin within your life. And then you'll have to come to me and our leadership staff and then get delivered from it. And then we have to teach you how to stay out of trouble and to take charge of your own soul so that you live above rather than beneath. And again, sinning under our troubles and from sinking under them. It's a, a, a heavy taskmaster. Now, here's what happens when you get a breakthrough. Here's what happens when you get a breakthrough. In John chapter 20, verse 19 through 20, it says this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear, notice this, for what? Fear. For fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, watch this, peace be with you. Verse 20. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now watch this. The first time Jesus says peace, we get happy and he changes our personal disposition. Is that not what it says? Peace be with you. They're fearful. They're looking through the peephole of the door. Are any Jews coming to arrest us? We don't want to end up on the cross like our master was. Someone peeked through the window curtains. So they're all huddled behind locked doors in fear. And then Jesus says, hello. And what's the first thing he says? Peace be with you. Remember that scenario? This time they learned. They didn't go, ah. Notice, he said this. He showed them his hands. So he says, peace be with you. Right? He says this, shows them his hands. The disciples were like, woohoo! And now they have a Holy Ghost time. But check this out. Listen. One verse after. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Which means this. The second time Jesus says peace, he gives it for your purpose, not just for your personal consolation. Did you get that? In other words, when he sits there and he speaks peace, we get happy. Woo! Oh, yeah. He changes our internal. And we love those times in which the Holy Ghost come upon us. And we have a wonderful time in the house of God. But we step outside the door and we fail to understand what our purpose is with that peace. So he has to speak peace not to us personally, but also into our purpose. And everyone says... 
Did you get something out of that? Praise and worship team, would you come forward? Why don't you stand to your feet? Peace for you personally and peace for your purpose. And everyone says, oh, hallelujah. Father, we just thank you and we bless you. Just lift up your hands, church. Just begin to thank the Lord for that peace. We thank you, Jesus, for your peace that surpasses understanding. We thank you that as you speak words of peace, that they come upon us and we receive it not in vain. For those that may be here, in which there may be trouble upon their heart, maybe in relationships, maybe wherever you've planted them, maybe at the workplace, we ask you, Spirit of God, that you would strengthen them in their inward man and learn to take charge of a troubled heart by your grace, teaching them to identify times in which they've made decisions out of disturbance and that you would bring a shift in their heart that they would now learn to rely upon making decisions out of your peace that you give to them. And not just for our personal consolation that we have peace on the inside, but that we would have peace on the course of our purpose of being a people that are missional in your purpose, oh God. We thank you for that. We ask you that you would arrest us during the times in which we become troubled in spirit, oh God. Give us the strength to be able to pray through and let there be a spirit of prayer that breaks through even all the troubles that may come against us externally that we may live above and not beneath. That we be highly exalted in your presence, we pray. And we give you all the glory. For it is by your good grace and by your peace that you dispense upon us, even as a house. We say that we love you and we thank you. That in a time of trouble, especially in a post-COVID world, even with elections that are upon us, we know there's going to be trouble in the world. But we know even though there is trouble in the world, we ask you to give us strength to not allow the troubles to come on the inside of us. But indeed that they would be at bay and that decisions we make would be made by the peace that umpires and calls the shots within our life. We just thank you and I just bless this house. And I say, peace be still upon your soul. And as you go, throughout the rest of this week we thank you for the tangible presence of your peace that is upon your people and we ask you spirit of God that you would stay upon them and direct their course and direct their actions and we thank you and it's in your mighty name Jesus we ask all these things and everyone in agreement says and everyone in agreement says hallelujah oh hallelujah Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah for your peace, your peace, your peace. Amen. Put your arms around you. Squeeze real tight. That's a hug from Pastor Robert. God bless you. I love you. Go in the peace of God. You're listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We're a house that will empower you in your walk with Christ to get free, live free, and set others free. 
This is our Sunday service series. For more information, go to FHUS.org. Enjoy. Enjoy.